<laughs> that sounds like a bourbon-induced conversation of what is yeah, the word? Totally. What is the meaning of a word? <laughs> what is the no, meaning so, of a word? And what does that look like? But I don't think it's quite like that, right? I think yeah. the, I, I think what it is instead is is you are now part of an adaptable organization. Mm. So, and I think that's that's different because I'm not putting the demand on you to be adaptable. I'm putting the expectation on you to understand that that's the environment that you're in. Uh, 322, for a throwing fire. Hey, Imagine if every moment of every day was unscheduled, unknown, and uncertain. Where you had to choose between your life and the life of another. Where you were deployed somewhere in the world to face an unknown threat and an unseen enemy. This is the podcast designed to serve those who serve us. So join me as we unpack and uncover why we do what we do when we do it from life's most extreme moments. I'm your host, Jeff Bandman, and this is Mindset Radio. All right, welcome back to Wednesday. With me today, Paul Tulin. We're going to continue our conversation from Monday. Uh, Monday was a phenomenal episode with a lot of a lot of underpinning information and, a, and a, in my opinion, a great look at the challenge we have as leaders and then the things we can do to really empower and enable our people to be just exceptional at what they do. And in Monday's episode, we we closed out and Paul, you wanted to circle back to this conversation about culture, which I'm highly interested in doing. So let's let's start this morning where we left off and look at culture and, and like, really take a look at that. I like how you characterized um, uh, my you know, my rambling all over the map as underpinnings of ideas. That's nice. I, I, appreciate, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate hey, man. that. But it really is. I mean, there, yeah. if you listen, if you go back and listen to Monday's episode, if for any reason you haven't figured it out yet and like you're hopping in on a Wednesday episode, the episodes run Monday and Wednesday. Monday's the 30 minute like snapshot, get to it, get some goodness, set you up for the week. And then Wednesday's like the deep dive. Now we're going to get in and uncover some stuff. And Monday was phenomenal. There was a lot of, of underpinnings there. And here's what I, here's what I always enjoy. And this is what I hope the young leaders listening are really listening with the context that says, I don't want to get to the end of my career to have learned these things. Because I don't yeah. think you have to. I mean, I think there, there are things we're going to naturally learn over time and experience and age and so many factors that go into it. You know, and and it's not like, Paul, you and I are sitting here as like the grumpy old guys, like, you know, drinking coffee mugs. And yeah, like, ask my, hey, you, 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 you need to listen. Double tip with my wife about that. Yeah, she's, she characterizes me as a grumpy old man fairly frequently. <laughs> Well, it's like, so. it's like, it's like we used to laugh at like the old, the old, you know, E7 that kind of had now had a pot belly with this, yep. you know, always, always drinking coffee out of his Ranger mug. Yeah. Yep. I was an airport yep. Ranger uh, <laughs> uh, one day back in my day. You know what I mean? You're like, I'm not going to fucking listen to you. Oh, <laughs> you know, who are you? So Paul is not that guy. Paul could tr truly smoke any of us today still. So it's not like that. It's not like a conversation of you should, but it's like, Hey, listen, you don't have to spend 20 years to learn or 30 years or 10 years or even five years to really begin to understand how to empower your people and lead with trust, 
right? And connection and authenticity and all these cool things like that can happen right now. So, yeah. So, so one of the greatest things we'll talk about the whole culture thing, but one of the greatest things when about being a battalion commander was that I had an opportunity to show, you know, 400 some odd people, but certainly, you know, 40 some odd leaders that it can be done this way. You can actually run an organization by caring for people and trusting them. It works, but you have to have a culture that supports it and you have to take some personal risk, right? So, and and look, I I will, I will um, lay all things uh, to, you know, expose all things. My boss and I did not get along. He didn't Mm. like me at all. So I had to, and it was because (laughs) of the way that I did things. Um, And, you know, uh, he was very performance oriented, very much, you know, demand respect. And he had some good qualities too. I I don't want to, you know, I don't want to throw the guy completely under the bus. Um, But him and I just, we had, and, you know, we were, our leadership styles were the antithesis of one another for a hundred percent. Right. So, um, yeah. So, so in order for me to keep doing what I, what I was doing, I had to take some risk because, you know, I took it on the chin from him at the end of the day. And, but, but it was absolutely worth it, Jeff, because I showed, you know, several hundred people that you could do it this way. But again, you have to care more about them than you care about yourself. And that's that thing I said, told you on Monday about, you know, a leader becomes truly powerful when he recognizes that it's, you know, it's all about, it's all about enabling of the success of others. But, but to get, to get to the, to get to the, to the topic of culture. So, you know, we were talking about, um, about trusting people and enabling. And I told you that story about the, you know, the, the liberation of man bitch and how, Mm -hmm. you know, that one special forces team and one civil affairs team had done those, all this miraculous stuff. And I just had to get out of the way. Okay. So here's where that absolutely can break down in the blink of an eye is that when you give them some trust and something goes wrong and you react badly and you demonstrate that you didn't actually trust them because you have a knee-jerk reaction and you you know you kind of take it out on them and you don't tolerate and develop a culture that encourages uh mistakes because mm. the minute you do that then then you haven't you don't really trust them because if you really trust them you acknowledge that they're going to make mistakes that will happen. And guess what? Mistakes sometimes are really expensive and yeah. sometimes they're even fatal, right? Yeah. That, that shit happens. We're in a very dangerous business. Um, and I always told guys, look, as long as it's an honest mistake, it's something we can learn from. If it wasn't you know, criminally negligent or immoral or illegal and it was an honest mistake and it wasn't a repetitive pattern of mistakes, you keep doing the same thing over and over again, then that's something that you should learn from. And I would always tell guys, look, I expect you to train until you get it absolutely perfect, but understand you will never get it perfect if you don't encourage and tolerate mistakes. And I want you as a junior leader to underwrite the small mistakes. I want your, for us, company commander, so your mid-level guy, to underwrite the big mistakes, and then I will underwrite the catastrophic mistakes. And if you don't do that, you will subvert, you will undermine a culture. If you don't have that kind of culture, in other words, you really, you really got to back it up because there's going to be opportunities where that trust kind of blows back up in your face. 
that that's good. That's got to be a, a thing that you need to be prepared to accept. Yeah, I want to I'm going to pause here because I, I literally I want everybody to like rewind and replay that because. That I mean, we could just stop the show right now, in my opinion. I mean, Paul, you uh, you just really nailed something on the head that I think it, it stretch. I know stretches far beyond the military into a lot of environments and is is a pervasive issue uh, across the board. You know, we it's like playing at trust, you know, guys like, oh, no, I trust my guys, but I'm in their mm -hmm. ass. No, mm -hmm. you don't trust your guys like legitimately. And I, I mean, I, I if you're in a leadership role or you're about to be in a leadership role, I it, rewind and re listen. And matter of fact, like cut it out, record it and play it over and over and over again, because that right there is the is the nugget of the century. Uh, well, uh, and I'll tell you, it's I, I wouldn't go so far to say that Tula never came up with a nugget of the century. I might have tripped over one from time <laughs> to time. But, but either but either way, what I will tell you is, is the thing that I used to say to guys was uh, I mean, I still say it all the time is that, you know, it's got to be real trust, not that, you know, oh, trust, but verify to me. That's a little disingenuous and kind of a yeah. kind of a bullshit line. Right. To do what you say, you know, how, I forgot how you just characterized it. But, yeah, you have to accept that that trust is got to come with, you've got to accept some risk. And when you say that I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to run this organization by caring for people and letting everything else take care of itself, and then something goes wrong and you don't still care for them, yeah, you're done. You, you've, you've killed it. You know, yeah. it's kind of the same yeah. thing with, with, uh, you know, with shooting the messenger. Um, the minute you, you know, so I always try to establish a, you know, again, we're talking about culture, a culture that encourages very open and direct communication, right? And the, and the way that you kill that part of your culture is when someone brings you bad news and you react badly because you've immediately told them, you know, that it's not worth it to bring that, you know, I got to find a different way to communicate that, or I got to maybe not tell them about it. You right. know, it, the minute you shoot the messenger, and look, there is no bad news. There's just news. You just got to figure it out. I mean, most what I have found in my career is that most bad news is actually an opportunity. And I always, especially when it comes to you know soldiers doing something goofy, I hate. I hesitate to use. I hesitate <laughs> to use the word. Yeah, I'll you say know. it because I'm out. I don't. Have to, yeah. I'm not a lieutenant colonel. Yeah. No. When I, when, I, when Private I, Snuffy does something stupid or Sergeant you know Knucklehead is, right. is being a knucklehead. Right. And, and so I hesitate to use the word misconduct. Right. But but, you know, I had a I had a uh, an E7 one time uh, for those that don't know, a sergeant first class, kind of a mid range sergeant. Um, and uh, he had a he had a problem. They were on a fairly low key mission in um, where were they? They were in like Saudi Arabia. And he was at the and he was at the uh, at the embassy. And they were, you know, they were hanging around by the pool with a lot of embassy types. And he said something off color as a joke to one of his friends. Um, it was a, uh, it was, um, and uh, it was a uh, uh, anti-homosexual uh, slur. And there was a, and there was a homosexual there that heard it and, and, and took offense. Right. So it, he didn't, he didn't say it to that gentleman. He said it to his buddy, just wrong thing, wrong time. 
Um, certainly didn't mean any, you know, malevolence. There, there was no malevolent intent. Anyway, so he got kicked out and he came back. So the first thing I asked in a situation like that, and in all situations like that, is okay. Is this an opportunity that I need to? Is this a situation where I need to uh, make an example for the benefit of the organization, or is it an opportunity to to develop a better leader? And I always looked at it from the perspective of. Your number one job is leadership development. So the first thing, your your operating position has to be, okay, first I got to look at it from, is this an opportunity to help this guy learn and to develop a better leader? Um, and so you have to look at the totality of the situation. You know, what were the circumstances? What, you know, what do people, what do everybody else say about all these kind of things come into it, right? And you know, if, again, if you truly care about people, you're going to look at it from a perspective of, all right, can I take this opportunity to make this guy a better leader? And am I going to shoot the messenger when they come in? No, because if you shoot the messenger when they come in, you've destroyed your opportunity to develop a leader. And so when he came in and I sat him down, um, I remember I, you know, because I, and we'll get into this too, because I knew him because you need to know your people in a real way. Um, and I said to him, you know, is I'll just use your name. I said, Hey Jeff. Um, so his wife was pregnant. I said, so if I brought, you know, if I brought Jane in here and I sat her down, um, and I explained what happened, do you think she would say, wow, I'm, I'm so proud of you, Jeff. Great job. And you could see the air just go <laughs> off of this kid's shoulders. Right. And so, yeah. you know, I, again, I, I it was an opera. It, it sure. It was an unfortunate situation. And, you know, and, um, but it was an opportunity to help him learn and to help him develop as a leader. But you got to want to do that. You know what I mean? You have to have that approach holistically in all the things that you do. And you don't take it personally and you don't get angry about those things. You think about it from a kind of a servant leadership perspective, a, a caring leadership perspective. And then, you know, and I'm not saying there's never a time to make an example out of somebody. Totally. Of, yeah, of absolutely. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But you think through it first. Even the young kids, God, even the young kids who I had to kick out because they were smoking pot. I was like, because, you know, in the army, if you get caught smoking pot, you got to go. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, and I would tell them, I was like, look, I said, I know I have a lot of very good friends, people that I love who are successful, happy, responsible adults who smoke marijuana. Society is trending that way. That's okay. But your employer doesn't see it that way. So what I'm telling you, young man, is that don't <laughs> allow this, don't allow this mistake to define you for the rest of your life. You made a mistake. And even yep. though I can't, you know, I'll always be here for you. Cut, you know, c- come back if you need to. I'm, I'm happy to help you. But don't allow this mistake to define you. Learn from it because that's what I would do if you were still here. I try to help you learn from it and become a better person. Well, you've cut that out from under me, kind of, because you're not going to be in the army anymore. But you know, take that same philosophy with you. Um, yeah. yeah so I know it's, it's interesting because what you're talking about here and, you know, through a couple of the other episodes and, you know, in some of the programming, the way we talk about things, it's like you as a leader. So there's a unique thing, right? We have, we have our identity and who we are and who we think we are and all these other things. And, you know, our thoughts that go on, but there's this place that we call the observer, right? And so like Doug and I talk about it, our inner world, our outer world. And then there's this third place that is the observer. And what you're doing there is you're actually, you're teaching them how to have an observer. 
right? How to look at their actions or their behavior or their words or whatever's going on in through an outside look, right? Which then they can begin to see this big picture and then it doesn't fall into this trap of, well, I'm an idiot and I'm stupid, all these shame and guilt and all these other things that get triggered in us as human beings. Uh, you know, I like that because you're get, you're actually empowering them at that point to say, you know, I like the the the, the example of bringing the wife in, right? Because it's like, oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he can now see his actions and his behavior through the eyes of another as an observer, not as a participant. And that's that's where you start to get real growth in people, right? Because then they yeah. connect with differently. And, and don't get me wrong. I was as big a jackass as anybody at 21. Oh, yeah. Bigger. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah. I, I yeah, have no illusions. To. Yeah. I have no illusions. So I think also, you know, when you're, when, when you're a leader and you're, you know, maybe it only comes with time, but hopefully not, you have to, you have to, um, you have to be the conscientious observer for them as well. And, and again, and I hate to keep going back to the same old kind of tired mantra, but if you really care about them, you will. So uh, I give you another example of how, you know, you have to, you have to continually demonstrate that you care about people in the army. We have this terrible habit of turning our back on people. The minute they say they're leaving, the minute they're getting out, if it's not retirement and we've used up every, you know, scrap of, uh, of, of, uh, human energy that, that you had to give. Right. And you say, Hey, I'm, I'm getting out to go do something else. We have a terrible habit. We're going to turn our back on you. Because you don't matter anymore. You're dead to me, right? That to me is unconscionable. Because if you, again, if you truly care about these people and you truly care about enabling their success and you understand at the end of the day, the metric that will matter is how many people come back into your life, then it doesn't matter if they're staying in your organization or they're leaving. So if I had a young person come into my office and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about getting out, and I would always, I would always first explore whether or not they were making a good mature decision for their family. It wasn't rash. So let's, let's explore that first objectively. Excuse me. Um, and, and, and let's make sure that you've thought through this decision. And once you demonstrated that you had thought through the decision, then I am going to continue to enable your success, whatever it might be. So, you know, if, if, if a young person would come to me and say, Hey, I'm thinking about getting out, you know, my dad's a, a real estate broker and, I, uh, I want to go get my real estate license, but I, I got to leave every Thursday afternoon at, at, at two to go to the class. I'd say, okay, well, let's look and see if we can do it. Maybe we can't do it now, but we'll do it in six months. Whatever it is, I'm not going to say, no, I, that's, you do that on your own time. No, we'll, we'll right. figure it out. Let's figure it out. Because maybe that guy gets out and he becomes a real estate mogul and uh, he makes he millions of dollars. <laughs> and, and, and it, well, no, and, and, he, and he contributes to our benevolent associations. Yeah. Maybe he remembers how well he was treated and he goes into the National Guard. Maybe he remembers what it was like when he was in and he encourages other young people to join. My point is there's no downside to helping people. And right. so it's got to be a holistic approach and it has to be, again, it's one of those things. You always have to be putting your money where your mouth is if you say you care about people. And there are many, many times when it will be tested. It will be tested when things go wrong. It will be tested when people decide to leave the organization. It will be tested when people present you with misconduct. But if you truly care about them, you know, you'll always have the same model of trying to enable their success and trying to help them to succeed, even when things aren't going, you know, your way and you're not looking like this 
glowing, successful guy because everybody's performing. Eh, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's the, you know, these are the, and what I said, underpinning things, right? These are the things that you hear people and you know it, you know, the guys that'll talk about all this stuff that have all the right buzzwords and say all the right stuff. And this is Paul, this is why I asked you to come on the show because in the time that I've gotten to know you, what I know about you is you are not a guy that, that just talks the talk, right? I mean, this is, these are things that are coming from a life well lived. And in my opinion, you know, a, a level of leadership well offered to the community out there. And, you know, but we know the guys that are, you know, inauthentic about it, you know, guys will say, Oh, you know, if things go wrong, I'll be the first one to, you know, fall on my sword. No, you're not. And we know mm -hmm. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and I want to, I want to track back here real quick, kind of out of the, out of the RSOF next package and, you know, and I'm going to actually link it, uh, to the, to the show notes. Cause I think it's valuable for any leader across all the spectrums to read, uh, you know, and change the verbiage a little bit, but I, I, I really think it was, is a well-designed, well-articulated document, uh, that can give us some insight. And if you've listened to this and then you're kind of go back and look at some of that language in there, I think it begins to give you some guiding principles to operate from. But, you know, when you looked at like the characteristic of an RSOF unit, right, of an army soft unit, uh, and we under, began to understand that unit, unit culture is reflected in the behavior of its people and the meaning people attach to it. See, and I, I, I want to talk about that a little bit because you, you know, you, you outlined like four key characteristics, adaptability, autonomy, empathy, and expertise. But what I want to do is it's easy to say the unit culture is reflected in the behavior of its people. The big piece there is, and the meaning people attach to it. I want to talk about that a little bit with you because I think that's an important point, right? I think that that goes a little further than just writing it to writing it. There's mm -hmm. something behind that. Where, where, talk to me about that. So, well, first, let's, you know, I'll go back to what you said at the beginning about me as a leader. I, I need to make sure that I clarify something. I absolutely promise you there is a, a, a deep, wide pool of people who think Paul Tulin's an asshole. You'll find him. Dude, so, 100%. So, I, listen, listen, there are plenty of people that are like, I, there are a lot of people that have probably looked through and been like, oh, fucking Jeff Ammon would launch it. Yeah. What kind of, no, fuck this guy, right? Yeah. Sorry, pardon the language. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, totally. I have, I, have, uh, I have plenty of people that hate me or dislike me. Uh, and, and okay, it's okay. Right. And, yeah, but, that's, but I think that, that there are also equally balanced, uh, people that appreciate you. I think there are people that have learned to appreciate me. I don't know why, but you know, there are some, uh, one or two out there that exist. You know, I think we've got two downloads on all the episodes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, but, well, uh, I tell you, you know, so we, we talked on, on Monday, I'll tell you what, you know, about your identity and what you, what, you yeah. know, what you invest in not to, I'll get back to your question in a second, but you know, the, the thing is in all that, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm not going to be coy either. I mean, there are a lot of people that I know respect me as a leader and, and mm -hmm. I, I got a lot of people come back into, into my life and I, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that. And I know there's a lot of people that don't like me too, but at the end of the day, there's only three people that I give a shit what they think. And they're all in this house with me. And yep. as long at the end of the day, those people are like, this is a good man and he's done the right things. I'm good, man. 
you know, and that's a hard thing to get over, you know, when you're in organizations like ours, because it very much is a performance oriented organization where your reputation is incredibly meaningful for the right reasons. Right. Right. Um, and so, but, but you can get, you can get handicapped by that. Um, so anyway, that's kind of, yeah. you know, well, yeah. And I'll, I'll go off on a little tangent. I mean, we had, uh, I remember we had this when I was in my constitution, we had this E7 and he literally was always, I mean, he was a badge puller, right? I mean, it, what you had on your uniform, like made all the difference in the world. And I mean, I remember my buddy came in from the Navy and it was a, uh, corpsman assigned to Fort Recon back in the day, right before they're now Marsoc or Raiders or whatever they are. And we, you know, we had a dress out one time and he had his bubble on the guy came by and just literally licked his thumb and just planted his thumb on his bubble. Uh, <laughs> he's lucky he didn't get killed at that moment in time, yes. but you know, we had to, cause he was, you know, he's a ticket puncher and we didn't last very long in the unit and we all kind of knew it. And one day we kind of, of course, played a joke and we all pulled out every school that we had that you didn't get badges for. You know, I made like a seer emblem and we all yep. pulled our sniper tabs up and like all the shit you go do that you don't get, uh, you know, badges for. So we're, you know, we're putting all this stuff around and he got pissed. But yeah, I mean, that's it's not what you're wearing on your uniform. It's not what you got. It's how you're being. It's how you show up in the world. So, uh, so you made me think of another story uh, about that kind of thing. Now, I'm going way back. I'm going back to 2003 when I was a team leader in a place called Dehrawood, which is a uh, uh, which was a, a, a village in the Tarankout province. When you know, in the beginning of the of the uh, uh, operation during for OEF operation during freedom in Afghanistan, and yeah. uh, you know, so myself and another team had a responsibility for an area roughly the size of Indiana, and uh, we. Went to, we showed up at the fire base and we were taken over from a, the previous team that had been there. And basically at that time, we were trying to figure things out like who is who, what tribe is in charge of what, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, incredibly complex tribal and village and ethnic dynamics and all those kind of things that you had to try to figure out. Um, and we got there and, the, you know, there's a fire base and there was a team in charge of the fire base and they had a civil affairs team there, but I never saw them. And so the old team left and I saw the civil affairs guy one day and he was kind of pear shaped. He had these literally like nerdy round glasses on. You know, he didn't really fit the soft mold. And, right. um, and I was like, Hey man, how come you're not coming to our, you know, our nightly uh, camp meetings? And he's like, Oh, well I'm not, they didn't really, I wasn't really invited to those. I was like, Oh, well, yeah, you should come to our meetings. You know, I mean, you're part of the team, right? So he was, he was like, oh, yeah, okay, great. So he came to the meeting. Well, lo and behold, this guy and his small team and his you know, group of private security that they had hired had been you know, operating in the local area, uh, understanding the, you know, the, the civil infrastructure. And this guy knew everybody. He had yeah. an understanding of the network complexities, who was the figurehead, who was the real worker, all that kind of stuff. And they had... The, the previous team had no access to that information because what? This guy didn't look like he fit the part. They weren't right. – you know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, you just – you reminded me of that story when you, you know, when you're talking about, uh, you know, you who, who you are and what you bring into the table. But as a leader, then you have to have your eyes and ears open and be and be open uh, to, to receiving people who are, you know, 
who, who, for lack of a better way to articulate it, for people who are different than what you expect them to be. Because you, you know, yeah, it's so true. I mean, like that's why I loved my time at the agency because you, you never knew what you were walking into. You could not make visual judgments of of value, right? I mean, you know who's going to kick a door and who's not. You kind of can look at some things. Uh, but as far as like what value they bring to the table, I mean, that was, I loved that because it was kind of unique across the board, or, you know, just wide open for what you might find and who oh, you yeah. might be working with. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And that's a weird, that's a weird culture there too, because that we won't go down that rabbit hole, but it's funny because, <laughs> right, because yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of wall walkers, right? A lot of people who just kind of look at the wall and walk past and have, you know, have really kind of poor interpersonal skills and they're not really comfortable around, you know, that, that kind of, Dude, I used to like, love, I used to love uh, if I if I had to go back to headquarters, you know, you got to think that's back. You know, I still had this big bushy goatee and long hair and we'd go back to headquarters for something. I'd walk around with my cup of coffee and look at everybody in the eye and just freak oh, them yeah. out and be like, hey, how are oh, you today? They, they're like, what? They, Don't what? talk to me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, they go run with it, skitter and off. Anyway, so, so back to your yeah, original no, question right, about back to it. Yeah. characteristic. You got to remind me what yeah. the question was because I was, I wandered. Yeah. So I, what I wanted to look at is, you know, a lot of times from a leadership perspective, we we're, we try to implement things, right? We try to look at how we implement aspects of culture, how we create a more effective tribe, how we build our units up, et cetera. And out of the RSoft Next documents, you know, we, we're, talk, we're talking about the characteristics of an RSoft unit, adaptability, autonomy, empathy, expertise. But the lead into that looks at the unit culture being reflected in the behavior of its people and the meaning people attach to it. And I, I want to talk about the and the meaning people attach to it, because I think that's a distinction. That's an important aspect to understand that it's easy to say, yeah, our culture is reflected in the behavior of its people. And here they are. But there's more to that. And I feel like that half of the sentence speaks to something behind it. Yeah. I mean, I guess what's behind it, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I guess. So what's your, so what's your, um, uh, what you're kind of focusing in on is I think the composite of the characteristics of the individual that create these unit characteristics. Right. Um, but it's also, I think tied to the unit's history, what they've done. Sure. Um, and I, I think, and a lot of what we, so to his credit, General Cleveland, um, cause he's got, you know, he's got a lot of detractors and, and many of the, uh, innovative ideas that were part of RSoft 2022, the organizational part, not the part that right. I wrote, which was kind of the, I, I mean, the instant, you know, they wrote about institutional changes. That was a lot sure. of what that, that, that effort was, right? A lot of, mm -hmm. um, innovative, changes to the organization. I wrote about the organizational culture and who we yep. were and where we came from. That was the distinction. Um, yeah. and so, uh, and so to his credit, one of the things that he recognized was the importance of, you know, where do we come from? And so mm -hmm. I think when you talk about the value or, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, the value the meaning, that, right. Yeah. The, yeah. The meaning behind it, I think it has to do a lot with uh, with history. I, I mean, it has to do a lot with the people who come before you and what you're walking into, because when you mm -hmm. walk into a unit like that or a high performance team, 
that embodies those kind of collective values, um, it's not like something that you, you know, you, you automatically adapt, adopt, right? I mean, I right. think it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, t- well, you know, t- and I'm, so- I'm thinking back to, I think you and I had this now, now we're pushing a couple of years. Uh, but I think I remember a conversation you and I had over the phone one time where we were talking about how somebody views a word. Right. And so if we look at like adaptability, because we were talking about kind of the history of of SF and how it's grown and what it's turned into and what it is and what it isn't and what the meaning of it was behind, you know, behind all of it. And I, I remember this interesting conversation you and I had. We were looking, I don't remember what words we were looking at. I don't think they were particularly these, but this is why it struck me to to bring out in this conversation because you know, when we look at like, when you say, all right, I want you to be adaptable. Okay, cool. What the hell does that mean? Like, what does that look like? You know, and, and where that meaning arises from comes from so many things, right? Comes from our own upbringing, comes from our own experience, and then comes from kind of the genesis of what we serve. Yeah. So, okay. So two things. One, are you positive we weren't drunk when we were having that conversation? It's highly, it's, it's, it is, is, I mean, we may have had it at, what's a restaurant, what's a restaurant there? I don't know. We may have had it over several beers at Port Bragg at one point in time too. And it was brilliant. We should have recorded it. But so, but you said something though, right? Cause you said, um, Hey, I want you to be adaptable. And what does that look like? But I don't think it's quite like that, right? I think yeah. the, I, I think what it is instead is, is you are now part of an adaptable organization. Mm. So, and I think that's that's different because I'm not putting the demand on you to be adaptable. I'm putting the expectation on you to understand that that's the environment that you're in. And so I think that's it's a different yes. way to empower somebody to take ownership of those qualities because I, I can't just, I, I don't get it from you. I give it to you. (laughs) You know what I mean? I can't just say, Hey, I really need some adaptability here. Why don't you bring some of that to the table? Let me like, I, I, well, I don't know. I I have to, Hey, when you show up to work tomorrow, I need you to bring your adaptability with you. Exactly. Right. right? So it's gotta be something I give the, the organization has to give it to you. And again, where does that circle back to? Well, to the surprise of nobody, it circles back to the leader. And I've yeah. got to give you the environment that allows you to understand that these are the way, this is the way that we operate. And so whatever nascent quality that you have towards any of those characteristics is now going to blossom because I'm putting you in it, you know, and if you don't have it, you are going to begin to absorb it from others who do in an environment where it is encouraged. So I don't think it's a matter of, hey, I'm going to find a way to take it. I'm going to I'm going to bring you in here and expect it from you. It's I'm going to bring in here. I'm going to give it to you so that you yeah. can then you can develop because, you know, I mean, it's because it's really easy for me to shut down your adaptability. Um, you know, what was the there's a great, you know, common. I don't know what we call them. They're not cliches because they're like, you know, out of pocket jokes that, you know, the military has, you know, but it's one about, you know, something about the responsibility of the battalion commander is to, is to walk around and crush an initiative, you know, like it's easy to, it's, it's, it's easy to, to destroy those things that that's easy. Um, 
But I think when you talk about, you know, empathy and when you talk about adaptability, uh, you know, autonomy and expertise, and maybe expertise I can expect from you, but even that, I'm, let's say I'm getting you, because in many of these cases, we're talking about um, the, the best example or the best way to talk about it is I'm bringing in somebody brand new, right? How, when I bring right. somebody in brand new, how do I, how do I get these, how do I get them to adapt? How do I get them to adopt these qualities, right? Um, and so even with expertise, you know, some people would argue, well, they're coming out of school and they've been trained. Yes, true. But they got the entry level training, even the expertise I've got to give to you, or at the very least, I've got to create the environment where that can grow and, 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 uh, and get even better. Right. So I think when it comes down to those qualities, it's a matter of you got to give it to them rather than expect it from them. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily creating culture. It's, it's creating conditions for people to like rise into, right. To, as a leader, I'm setting the conditions. And when I communicate with my people, I say the conditions that we operate here in this unit at this level with these requirements, you know, we operate with these particular traits, right. With these characteristics collectively as a unit and you know and we're going to grow and mature you into these and help you embody them as an individual and collectively as a team i think that's where you start to get i love that right it's not an expectation it's it's like an invitation hey listen yeah. come and be this with yeah, us and it's not and and you know and there's an and there's a component of tribal knowledge too right yes because you know when you want to talk about adaptability I have, you know, I'm, I'm a leader. I've been around for a little while. I have the tribal knowledge and I've been, you know, I've been, uh, imbued with a sense of adaptability in so much as, you know, you're talking about, you're talking about creating the conditions, but at the same time, there is a component of culture because I'll just say, okay, well, uh, I don't have the answer. Why don't you guys see what you can come up with? Now mm -hmm. that's an invitation to adaptability, come up with yes. something, you know what I mean? And so there is a component of still a component of your culture and condition setting, um, but definitely, you know, th there is a like there has to be a continuity of this of this knowledge for it to, you know, for it to 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 work. I, I don't think that you can start it. It's well, that's not a fair statement. I was going to say you can't start it from scratch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's well, that's could. like saying you could, yeah, you you could, but it goes back to your point, and it really goes back to Monday's episode, which is you have to be willing to be at risk. Right. You have oh, yeah. to you have to be willing if you don't have a culture in your environment, you don't have like you're going to step out on a limb and recreate. You know, you just stepped into a new role and I don't care what level, you know, if you're creating it within your team, within your department, you know, if you're a new fire chief, if you're a new lieutenant, what doesn't matter. Right. If you're you have to have the willingness to kind of put yourself at risk and say, listen, here is the environment I'm creating. And here are kind of the expectations of of this level of operations that we need to be committed to. And, you know, I invite you to come into this and and actually participate in it. And not only am I am I laying out the behaviors that I expect to see from you, I want you to know those behaviors are going to be fostered by this environment because this is what we hold true to be. And if you're in a unit with longevity, if you're in a unit, you know, like the Green Berets, Right, that have a long history of these 
core components and these, you know, get it done mentalities. I think I started my talk or at some point when I spoke after you, you know, I said, you know, somebody someday was sitting around going, Hey, I need a bunch of people that can go anywhere and do anything, you know, under any conditions in any situation and produce the results we need them to produce, you know, okay. Make that guy an SF guy. Right. I mean, that's like, yeah. it's that culture that, that gets created in there. And I don't think there's not, there's not a one or other thing, right? It's kind of that, that piece where all of this slams together uh, and drives back to the leader to be willing to be at risk, be connected to their people, to understand what's going on, to back their people, to give them the autonomy, like you talked about earlier. And even if that means they fail and not jumping right in on them, right? And, and learning. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I, I don't want to um, discount the importance of bringing the right people into it because one right. of the, so yeah. So when we grappled with, like I said, it was a six month process to kind of figure, you know, these things out to figure out what those, what those characteristics of the unit were to figure out what, you know, what the attributes were. Um, because you know, when it comes to the science of choosing the right kind of person, but man, we have that, we are the standard bearers for that, right? Maybe, sure. maybe the SAS precedes us in the history of choosing the right people. But so one of the things that we have as a benefit that is oftentimes forgotten about is we have a time-tested, uh, incredibly sound, backed by science and uh, you know years of history process for choosing the people that can thrive in these kind of environments. Cause look, not everybody can, right. That's a simple reality. Yeah, and that's a, you know, and, and that's a thing that I think that if you're trying to take some of these, you know, some of these lessons when, you know, when we start talking about these kind of things, like, you know, the, the unit characteristics and these traits, uh, that becomes a little bit different because I, I can see how somebody who's, you know, in your average organization, and they're just hiring people and they're trying to hire the people that the best people that they can, they're not putting them through a three week crucible that, actually, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. you know what I mean? That, that yeah. shreds, that shreds human beings. I mean, you know, I, I can't even tell you that, again, I, I was lucky. I, I'm durable. Um, but I can't even tell you some of the monsters of humans that I saw fall by the wayside and have seen fall by the wayside in these in this selection process. And we have that as a benefit that we, you know, we, we probably shouldn't be flippant about because I mean, I no, shouldn't be 100%. flippant about because I have a very different population of people. And that's something that, you know, I, I also, I want to say if there is a listening audience, I want this message to, to get out is that I, I can tell you, like I said, I was a battalion commander and this was in 2016 and, and 17. So fairly recent. Right. And it seems to me and it's just a, it's probably just a very vocal minority because the information age enables that now, right? I don't want to call it social media, but the information age enables that. But it seems to me that the, uh, the current generation gets a pretty bad rap as being entitled or lazy or what have you. And I can tell you, and you know, I'm, I am using this platform to, and this opportunity to share this, that the, that the young people who I had working for me were fitter smarter, more creative, more dedicated, more disciplined, and better at being a Green Beret than I ever was. So 
there is a lot to be said for the current generation. That's a little bit of a that's a little bit of a off the alleyway soapbox. No, man, but I'm, I'm it, glad it, you I'm it, glad you said that. It bears mentioning because you know they get a bad rap, and man, they are phenomenal young people. They you know I think of some of these young guys and and gals and the things that they accomplished and the ways that they did it, and how many times I was like, huh, I, I don't think I overthought of that, or think well, I don't think I could have done that. I mean, they are the you know, have some faith because they're doing just fine. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I mean, I think that that is, uh, I see it and I see it in the fire service. I see it in the law enforcement world. Uh, I've seen it in the military, you know, especially going back and working on the Young Lions program uh, back there with General Cleveland and, you know, my time back there at Bragg, seeing some of the young leaders emerging. They are, I mean, they've, they've got an entire, they're coming with an entire different skill set than, we did, you know, and we when we couldn't have we couldn't have come with their skill set because of the technology and the information and the things available. I mean, they weren't, you know, I don't know about you, but I wasn't 17, 18 growing up listening to a podcast on my smartphone. That wasn't. You oh, know, yeah, it's a miracle. We got this thing going. Believe me. Yeah, it's it's seriously. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, we're actually the sound quality is amazing for these two cans and this string that we've, you know, managed to drape across the United States and yeah. and, and have a conversation with. Yeah, dude. But, but I, I this, mean, um, so but about this generation, here's something else, too. You still owe it to them to lead them. Right. So, yes. uh, here, again, an, another of in the pantheon of, of tool and stories. I was uh, I was driving to work. So Fort Bragg, North Carolina, largest military base in the world in terms of military population, right? And uh, so you can imagine the backup at the main gate is kind of severe. Um, I mean, well, what passes for traffic in Fayetteville, North Carolina? You know, you sit in the gate for 10 minutes, right? I mean, I'm from the Northeast, so I understand what real traffic is. But right. anyway, so I'm in the, so I'm in the, uh, I'm, I'm at the front gate. I'm kind of waiting to go. It's like eight lanes wide as people go in. And I, there's a car next to me. And on the back of the car is a sticker uh, one of those white cutout stickers, you know, that people put on the back of their their back window. And, but it's about about 15 inches by 15 inches, so it's big, and it says zero fucks given. And the K yeah. is like a it must have been an AK47 or something, but it was in the shape of a K. And in the bottom right corner is American flag, and the top right corner is the uh, is the SF patch. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So by Somewhat by luck, but somewhat by design. I made sure I, I was like, I got a good idea where this kid is going, right? And uh, and and he went exactly where I thought. He was across the street from my headquarters um, at one of the psychological operations groups. And I pulled up, and he got out of the car, and I introduced myself, um, probably somewhat forcefully. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you ask my, I'm if seeing you ask this my, play out. Hold yeah, on, I'm yeah. seeing this play out. I've got my eyes closed. If, I'm watching this happen right my, now. Yeah, if you ask my wife, and I was like, "Hey," I was like, "I'm Lieutenant Colonel." Yeah, I said, "I'm Lieutenant Colonel Tulin. I'm the SF Command G3." I'm like, "Who are you?" And he kind of got out of his car, and I, you know, he's a young kid, and he started stammering through his name. I'm like, "What's your first name?" And he like, he couldn't remember his first name, so he was obviously suddenly very nervous. And I was like, "Look, man." I said, under what circumstances or what is the unit culture that you are part of that makes you think that driving through town with that sticker on the back of your car is acceptable? I was like, with the Special Forces crest, I was like, that's the impression you're giving the community of who we are, right? So I kind of went upside, one down, up one side and down the other. And, uh, and he's like, oh, I'll remove it. I was like, don't, you don't have to remove it now. I said, but you need to remove it. I said, you know, 
have your chain of command get in touch with me. I thought was stupid that I said that. And anyway, so I'm driving away <laughs> and I did what I normally do um, in situations like this. I call my wife and immediately out of her mouth because she's much wiser and empathetic and a, you know, and a, and a better natural leader than I am. She said, she said, he was a kid. She's like, did you try to teach him something? And I was like, oh, God. And so after I went to my meeting, I, you know, I went and I found him and I was like, look, I said, and I, and I was like, listen, you, you know, this is, you, you need to understand, this says more about you than it does about, you know, about, about me. You know, one of the benefits of being in the army, I, I, I recognize that, uh, you know, society is much more acceptab- accepting of, of colorful language than it used to be when I was younger. And so that's probably not that big of a deal. Um, and people don't really care as much about that kind of stuff. I said, but one of the benefits of being in the army is that it should make you a better citizen. It should teach you about things like respect and common courtesy and being decent to people. I said, so if you didn't learn that growing up, one of the benefits you should get from being here is learning those kind of things. And it's not, you know, it's not so that you'll salute me when you're walking down the street. I could give a shit about that. It's so we learn to be decent to one another. That's one of the, and respectful of one another. And that's the thing you should learn here, you know? And so I went back and, and my point in all that is you always owe it to them to lead them and to teach them no matter who, but you know, it always helps to have a wife in the corner who's going <laughs> to, who's going to keep oh, yeah. you straight and be like, uh, Hey dummy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, well, yeah, Morgan um, keeps asking me, she's like, when are you going to bring me on the podcast? I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I I don't know if I'm ready to do that have, yet. No, 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 I cannot have that kind of truth. No, 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 no. I can't have somebody calling me out on everything. Well, that's so, you know, so, so the operational mindset, the op mindset, right? And everything you're doing to try and establish the, the tools and the mechanisms and the wherewithal prior to, right? I mean, that's essentially, yeah. I think, the essence of the op, the op mindset, right? Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm telling you, man, one of the one of the greatest tools is if it's not your wife or your spouse, it, it's got to be someone who's going to keep you real, who's going to keep you grounded. Like it, it is it's it's almost a joke for me to try and and talk about any of my accomplishments to my wife because she'll just say, yeah, you, you know, you, you didn't clean out the cat box again. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you got to have somebody who and I think that, you know. I think having somebody, and I, I don't know exactly how the, you know, the model works, but having somebody or some community that helps you stay grounded in that way also helps you to be resilient in that way. I, I, and I could tell yeah. you, you know, as a battalion commander, I had at least three grown men, Green Berets, Master Sergeants, close to 20 years in experience, uh, three men on three separate occasions in my office in tears. One of them tried to kill himself. And if you think that it's not a hard thing to put these guys through, um, you're sorely mistaken because it is, and it takes its toll. And we absolutely need, you know, we need things to help them before it happens, as opposed to trying to reassemble them after it happens. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's really been, you know, I feel like I kind of woke up this year and began to understand and see that cleanup doesn't work, you know, and too many, 
too many people. It, listen, I, fire service, military, law enforcement, EMS, emergency management, you know, all these, all these, these players out there that, that crazily enough willing to sacrifice themselves right now for anyone. Like 100%, without a doubt, no pause, no question. Just being committed to that life for any period in time takes its toll. And, you know, it's a very unforgiving space that we live in. And so, you know, I, I believe that's why we have these crazy conversations. That's why I bring on Elliot Rowe and talk about, you know, hypnosis and childhood trauma and all that stuff, because it is, we have to operate in this place as this whole person. We are a whole person. I mean, I go back to, I'm going to read them off because I kind of, I grabbed them from you, right? So I'm going to give you Paul Tulin's guidance for life, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, but but they're legitimate and they are real uh, because like you said, it's not just about being a Green Beret, being a Navy SEAL, being a firefighter, being a cop, you know, being whatever. It's about who I'm around, what I'm doing as a human being, how I'm being. And so number one, take care of people and everything else takes care of itself. Number two, positive attitude is everything and attitude and common courtesy go hand in hand. Number three, the only way to achieve commitment is through trust. And there are, and the two ways to test and the two ways to test if you give enough trust, right? And we talked about those visualization and mindfulness are keys to success. The true secret of success is enabling the success of others, man. That's, you know, hour and a half of episodes over the last two days to talk about that. And most importantly, invest your time wisely. You'll give your career 20 years plus or minus. And if you're lucky, you'll give your family the rest of your life. Be a good father. Be a good husband, be a good wife, be a good dad, be a good mother, like be connected to the people around you. And that's at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? I mean, we yeah. can tell war stories all day long and tell each other how great we are and all the cool shit we've gotten to do. And at the end of the day, I look at Declan every day now, 18 months. He doesn't give a shit what his dad's done. <laughs> all he cares oh. is that his dad will, you know, sit on the floor and read him a book and Oh, my, my, yeah, I get, I get, I get two boys now. Um, and, uh, they are convinced that the entirety of the army experience is paperwork because that's all <laughs> they think I do. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, all of that, you know, you mentioned, uh, visualization, uh, you can cut me off when it's time to cut me off, but, um, I, you know, that was a thing that I recently, uh, kind of learned about that I wish yeah. I had known, um, you know, 20 years ago, it's yeah. just the, the, the visualization tool is unbelievably powerful and, and, and meditation too. I started mm -hmm. doing that with my 13 year old. Um, you know, we do it together, you know, we lie down for about 10 minutes and, uh, we use an app for it and it's just, Oh, I got, you know, some, even, yeah, I got some stuff I'll send you. Plus we got to get you guys out here get you on the cushion and then the gun and do the meditation on the range. Uh, oh yeah. It, it's yeah. about one of the most powerful experiences you'll ever have. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? You get to be like a, when we talked on, on the, on Monday, um, and we, we were talking about that. I, I mentioned being in that, that sweet spot between experience and, and, and age, um, or being aged, you know, my, my yeah. body peaked a long time ago, but my emotional and spiritual and, uh, you know, my, my objective intelligence, all that's kind of peaked now. Um, 
And so it's like the, it's like the best time, right? It's like the absolute best time. And so you can do one of two things with that time. You can either spend it on yourself. Okay, good for you. Or if you're doing it right, you can invest it in a whole bunch of other people who maybe can benefit from what you've got earlier in your life like you would have wanted to. You yeah. know, and give them, you know, give them that. Again, if, if you care more about them succeeding, you'll be a powerful leader because it's all about giving back to people um, and in as many ways as you can. And, and it's little things, man. It's really little things. You would be surprised. I mean, not you, but because you know. Well, but, no, I, hey, man, maybe, I, I learn every maybe, day. I, I yeah, maybe people listening, but, you know, you'd be surprised at how meaningful it is if you just, for someone to just be able to check in with you and ask your opinion about something. And it's just your opinion. It's yeah. not fact. It's not objective fact that I can right. through data and numbers. That's my opinion. But it helps them. And maybe it helps them to make a, you know, a, a decision that's better for them or their family, you know? So, um, yeah, when you get to that sweet spot, you got to turn around and start passing that shit out. Well, and, you know, and the other piece of this is as we close out today, what I want, what I want people to kind of sit with for a minute is we talked a lot about leadership, but leadership has nothing to do with rank either, right? It has nothing to do with status in your respective service. Like, I mean, you could be, you know, private snuffy and still act with all these qualities in this level of leadership and start to grow that today. And matter of fact, embracing that idea is actually the thing that's probably going to catalyst you, you know, and drive you into those roles later. Right. So yeah, if you think so, if you th so and I've seen those guys, right, yeah. I, I've, I've absolutely seen those guys, which is they weren't good enough at the previous rank to get people to follow them either because, you know, they, they couldn't convince them or they couldn't get them to, you know, of course, Eisenhower said the art of leadership is to get people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. Right. And right. they weren't good enough for that. And so they get promoted and they think, okay, by God, now it's going to be my way. And if you're that leader, get the hell out, just get uh, out because yep. you're not helping anybody. Yeah. 100%. All right, Paul. Well, that's, that's going to be our time. We're going to wrap it up for this Wednesday. We'll probably have to do another couple episodes because I think there's a whole lot more to to dive into here. It's been a phenomenal conversation. Listen, for everybody uh, that's tuned into the show today, uh, the show notes from today will be up. I'm going to do my best to pull everything and extract all the nuggets that we've gotten out of the last hour up online. It'll all be available over at mindset.com backslash mindset radio. Thank you so much for uh, continuing to listen and or listening for the first time. And we will see you guys again on Monday morning. All right, that wraps up episode 10. Thank you so much for giving me your time and attention in these episodes. I hope that you've gotten a lot from it. I have one quick request from you. That is, I would appreciate your full and honest feedback. I've put up a survey over at opmindset.com backslash survey. That's opmindset.com backslash survey. It'll take you two or three minutes to fill out, but I've got some key questions and I really want to hear how the show's working for you. So if you take a minute in your day, pop over opmindset.com backslash survey, complete that survey for me. I know that that's maybe a lot to ask, but I'm asking and I'd really appreciate it if you would take a few minutes and give back to me how we're doing so that I can work and improve the show and really structure it in a way that works for you. Again, 
Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your week, and we will see you on Monday morning.